fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about the proudest of all the boys with my friend Caitlin. Great. How are you, Caitlin? I'm good. Is the proudest of all boys Gavin McInnes? Uh, that's... We'll leave that up to you to decide. <laughs> He's definitely one of the proudest boys that we know. Actually, my dad told me that he thinks um, Trump faked the COVID in order to boost his ratings. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so many conspiracy theories about this. And my thoughts on that is just there's no way that he'd be able to fake something like this with all the medical people and stuff in contact with him. You know what I mean? It's like, not only that, it's also, I don't think it makes him look good. No. I mean, like, I, I think some people have said things like, oh, he's just trying to get out of the debates, or everyone has a conspiracy theory about it. I just think he's yeah. an idiot who got COVID. That's all I think as well. Yeah, but my dad's like, do you really think, do you really think, Caitlin? I was like, yes, I really think. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that he's got COVID. And I was like, he made it optional for his staff to wear masks and come to work. So, yeah. And now he infected all, all of them. Or they yeah, infected so, him. Yeah, I think it was his one of his staff members, right? Yep. You reap what so, you sow, I guess. Yeah, he said any staff in the White House doesn't have to wear masks. It's a personal choice because, you know, America, freedom, right? <laughs> I just want to say I did the first uh, live stream this past Friday. So one of our Patreon goals is to start doing live streams. And anyone who pays $10 or more on our Patreon can come join the, the chat. And so this past Friday, and it's going to happen every Friday at 8 p.m., we watched a video by Drea Humphrey, who is a Rebel reporter. And in her video, she connects Black Lives Matter to witchcraft. And so <laughs> that video is still up on Twitch, but I'm going to try to maybe distill them and put them up on YouTube or something, because I guess eventually Twitch takes them down. But uh, there will be another one this Friday if anyone wants to participate. And speaking of that... Well, it's now October, so we'd like to thank our patrons. Thank you to Richard, Durka, Darren, Sarah, Ryan, and Tim. You are the Laurentian elite of the podcast. You're talking about the Laurentian elites? Folding from Laurentian elites. Canada's Laurentian elite. Thank you to Viano, Nate, and Nicholas. You are our foreign-funded environmentalists. What's your message to world leaders today? message is that we'll be watching you. How dare you? And lastly, thank you to Ken, who will not interrupt our show like Joel Pollock's cell phone interrupts Ezra's. And had to basically start from scratch. Start from scratch. And that's crazy. Start from scratch. Testosterone flowing. Start from scratch. And that's crazy, crazy, crazy. Homeless people in LA have smartphones. Thank you very much to all our patrons. You too can become a patron by going to patron.com slash imperial news. And now the imperial roundup. <laughs>
That's my impression of you. Hope you enjoyed. Yes, you you nailed the essence of Jody. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from September 28th to October 2nd. Ezra plays clips of Trudeau talking about balancing concerns about the environment with concerns about the economy. A reasonable response to Trudeau is, what good is the economy if we don't have a thriving environment to live in anymore? But Ezra is, of course, mad that Trudeau cares about the environment at all. After, again, accusing Trudeau of trying to stop the pipeline he is currently building, Ezra calls Trudeau a hypocrite for using oil while at the same time being pro-environment. Ezra asks, why is the government even buying pipelines in the first place if indigenous people still don't have clean drinking water? And I agree with that. While we're at it, why are we building new fighter jets as well? But Ezra ends his rant by saying the only reason Trudeau bought the pipeline is because he secretly hates Alberta. I, the place where he's currently building the pipeline? I don't, I don't understand this logic, but there you go. On Monday the 28th, the night before the American presidential debate, Ezra claims that Biden is going to be a no-show. The right wing, including Alex Jones and Fox News, has been pushing the idea that Biden was going to skip the debate because he is cognitively not there. This is a really bad strategy, since all Biden had to do was not drool on stage and he automatically comes out looking better than what you were priming your audience to expect. Ironically, Ezra claims that Biden would falsely claim to be infected by COVID to skip the debate, something Trump might do now that he's tested positive for COVID. Ezra continues his anti-mask, anti-lockdown conspiracy theorizing by suggesting a CDC study showed that masks were not effective. There are several reasons to think this is stupid, including that one study is never sufficient in science, or that Trump has been muzzling the CDC where this study came from. However, the most glaring problem, and one which Ezra even mentions in the show, is that this was a study on influenza, not COVID. In keeping with their ongoing harassment of Catherine McKenna, Ezra plays a clip of the video McKenna made in her early 20s. The hour-long program, Real Travels 60 Days in Indonesia, shows McKenna witnessing an illegal cockfight and eating dog meat. Ezra seems really upset that McKenna ate dog meat, playing up how gross it is. However, if you're okay with eating cow but think people who eat dog meat are gross, then you're simply being a xenophobic asshole. As the week went on and COVID numbers continue to climb, Ezra is in panic mode about another incoming lockdown. Ezra claims the false positive rate of the COVID test is 50%. According to Public Health Ontario, the actual false false positive rate is roughly 0.01%, which is dramatically below the 50%. But it is possible that Ezra is simply getting confused over various types of tests with differing false positive rates, such as the antigen, which is more effective, versus the antibody tests, which are less effective. That being said, false positive rates don't mean that a test is not useful, which is why epidemiologists care more about the test's positive predictive value, which is the probability that someone who has tested positive actually has the disease. With the standard PCR test, that's the giant swab that goes up your nose and scrapes your brain, the PPV approach is 100%, or basically 99.9999%. So chances are, if they scrape your brain, 
and you get a positive result back, you almost certainly have COVID. But even if the false positive rate was 50%, how does that explain the increase in COVID numbers? You would think if the test consistently gives 50% false positives, then the relative number of positive results would remain stable. So if the COVID positivity rate is increasing, even when a test gives 50% false positives, then this would show that an increase in actual cases is still driving the numbers up. Consider a world where you had 100 people, no COVID, and 50% false positive rate. Then you would get 50 out of 100 people testing positive, even when there's no COVID present. But if you were to start infecting some of those people out of the 100, the more likely that number of tests showing a positive will increase, therefore indicating a real rise in COVID rates. Of course, none of this will matter for someone like Ezra, but if your relatives are telling you this, for the love of God, correct them. Ezra has Ben Weingarten on to talk about the Project Veritas scoop, showing that Ilhan Omar was secretly harvesting ballots. Just kidding, the scoop was a dud with some of the footage staged, and the main source has since walked back their claims. They just don't like Omar because she is Muslim and don't care about lying to smear her. Ezra ends the week by interviewing John Carpe of the Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms to complain about COVID restrictions. They go over the standard affair, masks don't work, numbers are artificially high, there's no evidence for war distancing, it is only old people dying, blah 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 blah, same shit. The only thing worth noting is that at one point Ezra claims the only reason Quebec's numbers are so high is because they're cool with euthanasia. So it's not actually a disease that targets the elderly. It does not. It targets the elderly in seniors' homes. And Quebec, especially in the last year, has been the most pro-assisted dying, euthanasia, do not revive jurisdiction in Canada. They're obsessed with it. My theory, and I don't yet have the proof in hand other than what makes Quebec different than Ontario, their obsession with do not revive euthanasia. And so my theory, not yet proven, but something I want to look into, is that this are, these are folks that kids or grandkids said, you know, Gramps, we're going to send you to the home and doctor, do not revive him. And the doctor says, okay, we won't. Somehow, this acceptance of euthanasia in Quebec inspired their political class to do nothing and allow old people to die? It isn't clear, but also amusing that the guy who thinks old people should die for the economy is criticizing Quebec for their deaths because of some weird subconscious preference for euthanasia, even though killing off old people for the sake of just killing them off is not what euthanasia is. And that is the week. It's weird doing this show when we do it because so much has happened this weekend. (laughs) I was not covered on Ezra's show. And so it feels like this was millennia ago. But last week, there was a presidential debate. And we witnessed it. At least I I watched half and half. And I know you were watching some of it as well. What were... uh, what were your general takeaways of the debate? Oh, what a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like constantly talking over each other. Yeah, and it's just like no actual arguments being made. It's like when you watch a couple that can't uh, effectively argue, 
and they're just like talking over each other and there's no actual conclusion or resolution. It's just constant bicker over each other. Yeah. And then, and then they start bringing up things in the past. Like, remember <laughs> when you did this? <laughs> oh. Like, there was a moment where Trump is like, remember your son? Remember what, that your son was addicted to drugs? And then Biden goes, oh, oh, don't even start with that. And I'm like, wow, they're like an old married couple. Like, yeah. that's, that's just, uh, although the context is pretty horrible because his son did have uh, a, uh, an addiction problem, right? And Trump did make fun of that and make his son out to be, you know, yeah. Like he was a loser almost because of that. And then Biden saying like, you know, he had a problem. He sought help for it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I do actually right? think that was one of the exchanges that helped Biden because I mean, there a large portion of Trump's, uh, so, well, not a large portion, but part of Trump's base is going through the opiate crisis right now. And there are a lot of people dying. And so, for, and, and people have family members who are suffering from addiction. And so, for Trump to just like mock it while Biden is showing sympathy towards people who've struggled with addiction, I think like does hurt Trump in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to like put that as a side <laughs> as my thoughts on that. But I mean, like just, just the way they were talking with one another. It's, <laughs> it's like this old bickering couple. Yeah. My cat's starting to filibuster you right now. This was uh, Ezra's thoughts on the debate. He, he didn't have much. The main one seemed to be that Trump was not prepared for the, the debate. And I agree with him, but I'm kind of surprised that he's going there. Because you would think that he would take some sort of tack to defend Trump's performance in some way. And it's clear that he's not defending it. He was very critical of Trump. The other yeah. the other takeaway was more anti-Biden and it's it was commenting on on the moments where Biden was being very critical of the left. And Ezra's sort of like conception of this is that Biden's disavowal of the left is actually evidence that Biden will cheat and do whatever he can to win the election because secretly Biden really is left-wing, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is like the pipeline stuff. Like, it's it's like, you know, they're they're saying one thing, but they're secretly doing the other thing because they secretly are on the left. That's the same thing he says with Trudeau in the pipeline all the time. Yeah. And it's not only that, it's also projection because he, he makes this argument that Biden's going to try to win by lawfare. And that's all the Democrats do is try to bend the rules and stuff like this. Meanwhile, like, that's what the Republicans are currently doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially with trying to, like, set up the mail-in ballots as yeah. corrupt. Because that's what Trump did a lot of times during the debate, too, was really set it up to make it sound like, watch what they're going to do. They're going to get people to do mailing in their ballots, and they're going to commit fraud, right? Voter fraud and stuff. So. Well, that and, like, as we said last show, the Republicans did this back in the the 2000 election. I mean, if you want to talk lawfare, George Bush literally won the 2000 election by a vote on the Supreme Court. Right? Yeah. So name, like, again, it's like projection. They know that they're the ones doing it, but they're trying to cast, no, they're doing it. 
I don't know if that's going to be a good strategy, but this is what they're doing. The other thing is some constructive feedback that Ezra gave to Trump was that Trump should have spent more time talking about transgender extremism, according to okay. <laughs> Oh, right. And so you, you could tell, I think, I think the base is feeling like they wanted some red meat. They wanted uh, Trump to bring up some of their uh, pet issues. And hating on trans people is one of those issues, apparently. So, Yeah. But we move from that to now talk about, let's say, the, the issue that most connects with our own podcast. And that is the Proud Boys. Proud of your boy. I'll make you proud of your boy. Believe me, bad as I've been, ma. You're in for a pleasant surprise. I've wasted For those who didn't watch the debate, at one moment in the debate, Wallace, who is the Fox News mediator type figure who was not doing a great job at mediation, uh, he, he asked Trump about white supremacy and white nationalism and whether or not he will denounce them. And Trump's response was basically, he was like, sure. Sure, I'll I'll denounce people, sure. And then when pushed, he doesn't really denounce them. And then Joe Biden brings up the Proud Boys. And Trump says to the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. (laughs) And then after that, they move on. Now, of course, since the debate, the Proud Boys have loved this. They started creating merchandise that said stand back, stand by on it. And it's kind of frightening because one of the things that we said on the podcast last week, which uh, I cleverly titled America, the season finale or, or the final season. And we talked about the fact that there was this thing called the Brooks Brothers riot, which was that when in 2000, when the election was contested and uh, the news was calling it for Bush, but there was some irregularities irregularities with the ballot uh, counting. Roger Stone, with a bunch of other people, organized these things called the Brooks Brothers Riots, which was basically them interfering with the vote counts in Florida and delayed the recount. And that's part of the reason why it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Now, my worry and which has since exacerbated after this debate was that instead of people in suits being led by Roger Stones, Roger Stone, we were going to get proud boys showing up to the polls with guns. And my feeling there has not dissipated since this debate happened. Yeah. Uh, And like, when you tell them stand back and stand by, that wasn't like, if it was a gaffe, it was the worst gaffe he could have said because now if they weren't planning on it before, they're certainly planning on it now. And especially at the end of the debate when rather than try to mitigate any confusion about the efficacy of democracy in America, Trump tried to undermine it as best as he could uh, saying that like the ballots, everything's a fraud and they're trying to steal the election and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So, It's a worrying time in America right now, but we're going to now criticize 
the human being that we follow on this podcast, <laughs> Ezra, and how he responds to this. Because for those who don't know, and we we released, I think it's our second podcast episode ever. It's actually our third, but we made it our second because we screwed up the first one. <laughs> yes, for podcast lore, we screwed up our very first episode. Yeah. Uh, I did not do the audio appropriately. But... Our second episode in that you could go back to check out too. It's got a big old Aladdin face on it because that's where Proud of Your Boy comes from. The Proud Boys. So yeah, for those who don't know, the Proud Boys get their name from an Aladdin song. And uh, in that episode, we, we talk about all the shitty things that the Proud Boys do and how they started, which was that they were founded by a guy named Gavin McGinnis who, although he created Vice Mag, he was a co-creator of Vice Magazine, he sort of came, he became more well-known after being a guest, uh, not a guest, he was a, an employee of Rebel News with Ezra Levant. So it's yeah. interesting because right now you have the President of the United States sort of encouraging this violent neo-fascist movement that was got its jumpstart from appearing on the show that we critique. <laughs> I didn't think we would be this relevant, but here we are. I mean, I feel like Ezra plays it off like he's this rational right-wing person, but he's really just like burfing out these supreme white nationalists and 100%. hate groups. Yeah. I mean, I, again... I, Part of me, I think, when we first started doing this, I was worried about directly calling him a racist or a neo-fascist because he sues people on Twitter and all this stuff for saying similar things. But I yeah. think we've accumulated enough evidence on this podcast to definitively, yeah, we've got say, <laughs> to definitively say this guy is at least friendly to neo-fascists and is pretty damn racist, pretty conclusively racist. And transphobic and homophobic. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, like, we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a list. But yes, so now that I've laid this all out there, Ezra's now in this position where he knows he has to address this. Proud Boys were mentioned at the debate, so how is he going to respond? And of course, Ezra begins by downplaying Trump's comments on white supremacy during the debate. He basically says that it, it never happened. <laughs> okay. That he, he, that he, uh, or, or what didn't happen was Trump uh, telling white supremacists to, to stand by. He then begins by pointing out how terrible the media party is generally. So he does this thing all the time, which is he plays this clip of Trudeau walking with uh, Rosemary Barton talking about what books he likes. And, yes. <laughs> and then he always takes this being like, oh, man, they're in love. They're so in love. Rosemary Barton and, and Trudeau, they're so in love. Secret and, girl crush. <laughs> yeah. And he always plays this clip when he wants to sort of redirect his audience to thinking that the media is corrupt. That Like, look at them. They give these softball interviews to Trudeau. And this is his go-to example. And you can tell that he's doing this here because, like, why why is playing this clip right now relevant at all? It isn't. He's just doing it merely to prime his audience to be prepared for the media being just liars. Because he then transitions from that to the white supremacy portion of the debate. 
And Ezra says that during the debate, Trump told white supremacists to stand down. We criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to specifically... Here's the transcript of that, because there was a lot of crosstalk. Let me read it slowly. Chris Wallace said, you have repeatedly criticized the vice president for not calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist groups. Trump says, that's right. Chris Wallace says, but are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacist and militia groups? And Trump says, sure. Chris Wallace says, and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Trump says, sure, I'm willing to do that. And he goes on, he says, stand down. He didn't say stand down, and we all know that, but this is what Ezra is saying. Ezra doesn't actually play the clip of the debate. The debate. Instead, he plays old clips in the past where Trump has uh, condemned white supremacy and gets mad at the media for constantly asking him that question. Yeah. And then Ezra quotes a journalist talking about the stand back, stand by comment that we already addressed and that the Proud Boys have embraced and have made merchandise for. And Ezra says that that line quoted in this article is just the journalist making it up. He refused to do so, opting instead to brand it solely a left-wing problem and even telling one far-right hate group to stand back and stand by. <laughs> what? He refused to... They just made this up. When we know that that is exactly what he fucking said. <laughs> I mean, you can go watch it and see yourself, right? You want to call him... What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacists and white supremacists and right proud boys. Proud boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. But of course, Ezra doesn't play that clip. So for his audience, I mean, if they forgot about it or, or, or they just want to believe the illusion themselves. Now, you, you could argue to what extent it was a gaffe or if he sincerely meant it. And given Trump's, like, cognitive capacity, I don't know, and I don't care. The fact is the Proud Boys have now taken it and run with it. So whether he, whether yeah. Trump meant it or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I mean, if he really, really didn't want it to be that way, he would put out a statement. Yeah. I think... Like, why, like if, you, if he wanted to, like, disassociate from this group, he would make more public statements about what, what they put out there. And I think since he has put out a statement, he was on Sean Hannity afterwards and he condemned it. But here's the problem. He did the same thing with David Duke when he was running in 2016, where he feigned ignorance. I don't know what you're talking about and wouldn't condemn him. And then he made this sort of like show out of it at one of his like uh, speaking tours where he was basically like, oh, yeah. Oh, look at me. Like I'm condemning. I'm condemning uh, David Duke. Right. And, and so part of, like, even though he's now saying, like, on Sean Hannity that, like, oh, yeah, I condemn the Proud Boys, it's not, the reason why he does that is because it's not going to have the same effect as him telling the Proud Boys on the debate stage to stand back and stand by. Yeah. And so he gets, he tries to get the benefit of both. Oh, look, oh, yeah, of course I mean it, like, afterwards. But in the moment, he says the bad things. So, yeah. So now we get into the Proud Boys section of it. And 
Ezra describes the Proud Boys. I know a little bit of the Proud Boys. It's basically a, a loose fraternity that Gavin McInnes started years ago. A loose fraternity <laughs> that Gavin McInnes started. Ezra then tries to downplay the extent to which Proud Boys are white supremacists or neo-Nazis, which is the language that Ezra is using. But the question is not whether or not Proud Boys label themselves as neo-Nazis. Uh, they, in fact, label themselves as Western chauvinists, which I would argue was still pretty racist <laughs> for all kinds oh, of reasons. But they do attract neo-Nazis and seem to work with them often. So, for example, the guy who ran the, the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, where a white supremacist drove through a crowd of people and killed Heather Heyer, that, the guy, Jason Kessler, who organized that, was a proud boy and created an event where tons of racists showed up. And it wasn't until the person died that Gavin McGinnis then sort of, like, kicked Jason Kessler out of the Proud Boys. Yeah. So even though they're trying to do this PR battle to make it look like, oh, we're, we don't side with the Nazis, there's clearly Nazi and Nazi-adjacent people and fascist and fascist-adjacent people working with the Proud Boys. And it's likely that a lot of them are uh, Nazis or fascists or white supremacists. Now they get one of their other like PR moves is the current leader, quote unquote leader of the Proud Boys is this guy named Enrique uh, Tarrio. Uh, here's their leader, Enrique Tarrio. I've never met him, never spoken with him. I don't know anything about him, actually. Other than he's a Cuban American and he's a person of color, as they say. But when you read like the descriptions of the group that even how Enrique describes it is that the org the organization is specifically set up to be deferential towards white people. So the idea is, is to make white people proud of their Western heritage. That's the whole point of this group. Yeah. And they say, Oh, like blacks, gay people, all these people are invited to the party. But the thing is, if you're set up to say you, you, all you, different racial groups and sexual minorities can join us, but you have to pay deference to white men and how they created Western civilization. Which is pretty racist. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ezra's defense of the Proud Boys for not being racist that he gives in this show is to mention this time when Gavin and him went to Israel. When I was in Israel three and a half years ago with Gavin, he had to meet up with some Proud Boys in a bar in Tel Aviv. Let me just say that part again. They were Jews in Tel Aviv meeting up for drinks. Doesn't sound very neo-Nazi to me. Hi, Future Jody here. When we originally recorded this, I had planned to show why Gavin is a complete hypocrite by highlighting some of his blatant anti-Semitism. The only problem was that some of his worst moments of anti-Semitism happened to be behind a paywall, and all we have is a transcript. So I had Caitlin and I try to read some of it, but when we were done doing it, we both felt uncomfortable reading some of the terrible shit that Gavin had to say, so we agreed for me to edit it out. That being said, there are still some important things to go over. When Ezra mentions this trip to Israel several years ago, this coincides with many incidents of Gavin saying some pretty terrible anti-Semitic things. And so for Ezra to say Gavin isn't anti-Semitic because he met with someone 
uh, met with some proud boys who happen to be Jewish is an attempt at obfuscation that needs to be addressed. While in Israel, Gavin apparently did a stand-up routine that was later posted to Rebel called 10 Things I Hate About Jews. This was later changed to 10 Things I Hate About Israel before Ezra eventually pulled the video. Ezra said that he created the original title and made the subsequent changes, and I see, I see no reason to deny that. In an interview that Gavin posted on his own show, Ezra discusses the reason for taking down the video, which was the blowback they received for the video's title. However, both discuss how the video itself was actually, actually pro-Jewish. Should we have published that video, 10 Things I Hate About the Jews? Yeah, I think so. Because it's, it, was a, it was a comedy sketch. It was ironic. Uh, it's a shocking headline that makes you want to click. And when you watch it, it's, oh, I hate them because they're too successful. They're too funny. They're, they're fo like it was fake reasons. It's like 10 reasons I absolutely hate going to my favorite club. This is actually kind of anti-Semitic in itself, since a lot of anti-Semites think that Jews are super smart, wield all the power, and that is why they need to be stopped. I couldn't find the video of this routine to assess whether the material really was pro-Jewish, or how Gavin's Jewish audience received the material, or whether in fact this was a stand-up routine. I really have no clue. But this was not even the worst thing that Gavin had said or did while on this trip. Gavin released a several hour long hangout with fellow rebel employees, Faith Goldie, who, for those who don't remember, was fired from the rebel after attending Charlottesville and going on an actual anti-Semitic neo-Nazi podcast called The Stormfront, where she mocked Ezra for his Jewishness. Sheila Gunn-Reed was also there, who still remains a rebel news employee to this day. This video, if it still exists, was behind a paywall, but journalists for Canada Land have a transcript of some of the awful anti-Semitic Islamophobic crap that all three of them said. And rather than read to you some of the shit they said, because it's terrible, I will instead link the transcript in the description so you can see that we're not making this up. But I will say that some of Gavin's problems with Israel is that they don't like blonde-haired, blue-eyed people enough, and that they need to be even more fascist toward the Palestinians than they already are. One video that is still available, which was made by Gavin the last day before leaving Israel, or closer to the beginning, it's something like that. He talks about how he's becoming more anti-Semitic. Gavin discusses how at the Holocaust Museum, their tour guide was being dismissive of Holocaust denial, and his response was to tell them what the denialists really think. Gavin does say that he is not a Holocaust denier, but it is very clear that he knows a lot of uh, the things that Holocaust deniers talk about. However, he does try to downplay the Holocaust by saying uh, that there were other genocides. Holodomor was Ukrainians. I think it was 10 million Ukrainians that were killed. That was by Jews. That was by Marxist, Stalinist, left-wing, commie, socialist Jews. <laughs> you see what this fucking place is doing to me? Without getting bogged down in the Holodomor, which I will just say there are ongoing debates and uh, I'm not going to adjudicate those here. <laughs> Notice Gavin is here using Nazi talking points about Bolshevik Stalinist Jews. I played this particular clip because Nazis and fascists like David Duke really, really, really liked what Gavin had to say in this video. So much so that Gavin had to respond. No offense, Nazis. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I don't like you. 
I like Jews. Um, this all started because a clip from my show, The Gavin McInnes Show on the Compound Media, was taken out of context. A clip wherein I say, don't take this out of context. And it was my first day on this fact-finding mission, not funded by the Israeli government, by the way, funded by contributors to Rebel Media, who paid for us to go there because they wanted us to learn facts. And in the clip, I was talking about the Holocaust Museum. And I was saying a lot of different things. One of them I was saying is, I don't like dwelling on genocide. China moved on. <laughs> Russia moved on. Move on. But then I was also saying, if you are going to dwell, can you just talk about what the Nazis say and refute their points? Their points are, the Treaty of Versailles was done by Jews. It wasn't. Uh, Holodomor was made by Jews. It wasn't. That was Stalin, the ex-Christian atheist. So I wanna, that would have been more interesting to me, is what I was trying to convey. Now, I played you the earlier clip, and if you were so inclined, you can go back and listen to the whole thing. But at no point in his video does Gavin mention that his remarks about the Jews being responsible for the Holodomor was him simply reiterating Nazi talking points. At some point, when someone is consistently making anti-Semitic jokes, going on anti-Semitic rants, and Nazis begin to think that you are one of them, I no longer start to treat what you are saying charitably. So while Ezra is trying to downplay the racism and anti-Semitism within the Proud Boys and in their leadership, Proud Boys are showing up at Black Lives Matter events and beating anti-racist protesters. When we did our first Proud Boy episode, our second show almost a year ago, Proud Boys had already committed horrible acts of violence. But since May, when people started taking to the streets, Proud Boy violence has become a far bigger problem, and now the president has told them to stand by. Ezra is a fascist, and at the very least, he has enabled fascists. He gave Gavin and Faith Goldie a platform, even though he himself is Jewish. We often in Canada take pride in not being like America, but I have to say I'm terribly sorry to my American friends, because Canada's biggest export to America seems to be our fascists. People are dying. Please stay home. I think we had over 100 deaths this weekend in Canada, which is the most, most deaths we've had in Canada for a while. Like we've been averaging at about five to 10 per day. And then this weekend, it went up to like we had 20 the one day and then 90 the other day and then 50. Wow. So, yeah. so people are dying again at large numbers and it's worrying. It's also flu season, so please go get your flu shot. And uh, I don't know what your Thanksgiving plans are, Caitlin, but we're staying the fuck home. Yeah, I think that's what's happening with me as well. So uh, give thanks to everyone in the world by staying home. <laughs> Be responsible, please. And if you enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up, and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Friday at 8 p.m. You can find all the links on our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And be so proud of your boy, you're willing to hold their hand in public, get married, and die by their side after several years of retirement joy.
proud of your boy. <laughs> I know as bad as it's been, Ma. You're in for a pleasant surprise. Oh my gosh. See, I've memorized part of it. What I'm saying is I'm better than you, Caitlin. <laughs> Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.